Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and today I'm joined by Matthew Knight. Matthew, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. So the first time I heard about you, um, I think it was a couple years ago, a friend of mine mentioned going through the Leadership Paragold program, and apparently you had um, he'd heard you speak, and um, he just said, man, you had everybody laughing and crying and encouraged and inspired, and um, I thought, man, uh, I would like to get to know this guy, and and since then, it's like your name has kept coming up, and, you know, I eventually began to do a little research, I'm like, man, I keep hearing this guy's name, and so I'm doing a little research, and you've done a little bit of everything. Uh, I mean, you yes. are a licensed professional counselor who has 30 years of experience in mental health services. Um, you provide education, consulting, motivational presentations across the U.S. Uh, you've been a junior and senior high public school teacher, an administrator of a private school. You started two businesses, written music in Nashville. You produced an award-winning motion picture, and you're an author. I'm actually uh, holding your book right now, Leaving Fingerprints, Tales and Lessons Learned from a So Far Remarkable Life. And so, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I, I don't even know where to start other than I would just like to know, um, tell me a little about your journey, uh, kind of what got you to where you are today. Um, we were talking earlier, and you said that you'd been a naturally curious person. And uh, I think I, if I was looking for a word, I would say a naturally adventurous person. Hmm. I wanted to know what was uh, over the next hill, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was very blessed in that I could learn to do things fairly quickly, and I would do them for a season, and then they would begin to lose meaning, and somebody else would come along to kind of pick up the, the place, and I would go and, and find what was, what was next. Yeah. Do you think that everybody starts out being somewhat adventurous, or do you think that's unique to specific people? Um, I would say that there's probably in us, but it can get squelched very, very quick, depending on how you grow up, where you grow up, the culture that you're in. But uh, I think that probably there are some of those that have a little more of that gene than, than <laughs> others. Uh, I've, I've looked at, you know, different kinds of personality surveys and all of that, and that seems to come up in, uh, in a group of those folks that respond in certain ways to those surveys. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up adventurous, and you're wanting to see what's coming over the hill. So I guess that automatically opens you up to trying new things? Yes. Yes, it did. Um, in um, in grade school, I wasn't um, wasn't very good at sports, and that was kind of a the the rating of everything at that particular time. Um, I guess I ought to say that um, this week, as a matter of fact, I'll be seventy four. Wow! Uh, Happy early birthday. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and I'm uh, don't think about that very much. I guess um, I guess. Uh, age has just become something that doesn't really mean much to me right mm -hmm. now. Uh, I think you get to go a lot longer than maybe um, most people might believe you could get to go. Mm. So, um, but so when I'm talking about is in the '50s, and things were quite different then. And um, but uh, by the time I, I got through uh, grade school and hit junior high, I. I began to go, you know what, I want to know more about that. And I want to know more about this group of people. Uh, who do I want to associate myself with? Um, what kind of things do I want to be involved in? And I was asking questions like that that I didn't realize at the time were kind of mature questions to be asking. Sure. Um, but I, I just began the journey. I began the journey then. I decided I didn't want to play football. I wanted to write. And I went journalism, and I thought I'd major in that in college, and it turned out that that really wasn't going to be it, and so I majored in mathematics. Wow, <laughs> which is a is a jump. Yeah, a little bit. But I taught school, and I guess I'll pick it up there. I taught school um, at MacArthur and Jonesboro, and the second year I was teaching school a revival came to Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I know in the, the terms of the church today, we, uh, particularly those that 
are passionate about their relationship with Jesus talk about a revival, a mm-hmm. sense of revival, a desire for revival mm-hmm. to happen. And we had sure enough one in John's world. Uh, magazines came in from national magazines came in and covered it. Wow. And uh, I remember one Sunday morning, 800 people came to the altar at the First Methodist Church, and it was standing room only. My brother and I began to work with kids then. We have a little chapel on the side, and it was crammed full of 250 kids that gave their life to the Lord that that night. So that started things uh, in that direction for my life. What do you think... uh what do you think, or was there anything that kind of prepped Jonesboro for a revival? Okay. The Jesus Movement yes, okay. starts yeah. in uh, California. Um, a, a guy from uh, that was in law school in the University of Arkansas goes to California for the summer. He gets, he gets just totally sold out, converted. He comes back. He graduates, and he goes to a town in Arkansas and sets up a legal practice, but he can't sit still with that, and he wants to work with kids. So he began to work with high school kids, and in that year, 70% of the high school kids in that city gave their lives to the Lord. And so a friend of mine lived there and and found out about it. And I, I was pretty heathen then. I mean, I grew up in the church. <laughs> Same as me. And uh, so he said, I'll tell you what, if you'll come and see, I want you to come see this. And I said, I want to come see. Um, and I knew there was something in my life that just wasn't right. It, and it wasn't that I was looking at things that I was doing, particularly being judgmental or saying this is sin. It probably was, but that wasn't it. There was just something deeper than that. And um, so I went to a meeting that night, and there were about 250 kids crammed into this huge house. And this guy from a band in Memphis called Chad and the King Lears, he had quit the band and started preaching. And he preached, and I rededicated my life to the Lord that night. And so... And that was what year or ish? uh, That was early 70s. Okay. And I took that back to uh, my brother who was in an equally fallen condition. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, we we decided we would volunteer. So the church we grew up in was First Methodist Church. We were born in Jonesboro, baptized in that church, uh, or christened as infants. And we went and said, we want to volunteer. And uh, pretty soon we were having that kind of success with the kids. And when the adults started seeing that success with the kids, it began questions began to come and there was uh, a a particular weekend experience that Methodists were offering and at that that came to the church and that's where the people came to the altar the large number of people and that just started revival and um, so that was absolutely incredible Um, uh, times just amazing anyway um, so the people that I was around said, you know, you need to go to seminary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that's just what you do. That's just what you do. I did the same thing. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I did what you do, and it lasted about a year. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it wasn't that I got kicked out. <laughs> but but there were eight of us single guys and they put us in this old dorm that nobody lived in and so we just acted like it was all ours and we what seminary uh it was asbury okay and uh so we had a slip and slide party one night and in one of the hallways and invited co-eds which probably we knew we weren't supposed to but they didn't argue and we we got busted by the seminary police and uh so they they suggested that maybe we want to rethink coming back another year and uh i just knew that wasn't for me and yeah. I, like any any seminary the wall let me have slip and slides and it's not for me yeah <laughs> no no more slip and slides oh <laughs> well, i guess i need to go somewhere else where they allow that <laughs> That's awesome. uh anyway i ended up at the university of tennessee and i went into counseling from mm. that point on, 
You knew you wanted to do something with, I guess, helping people. Yes, absolutely. That the whole that was the whole thing, and I thought um, if I could take my faith and the things that I knew about the Lord, and was finding out about the Lord. I guess that happens through your whole life. I, I hope, and put that together with um, things that we know are therapeutic to help people. Um, especially uh, spiritually, psychologically, to heal the soul. I thought, man, what an incredible way to do something with your life. And you've been doing that for 30 years? Oh, well, actually, it was more than that. I think now, since the book came out, and even before that, I'd probably say over 40 years. Wow, okay. Yeah, something along those lines, for sure. Um, a lot of things happened in between. I, I was sharing um, before the broadcast that my brother and I started a church. Yeah, it's one thing we have in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's I, I understand what that means. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a listener may go, "Oh, they started a church," and you go, "No, no, yeah. no, no, they started." It's a like church. two guys who come back from war, right? It's <laughs> like I understand, man. I get you. <laughs> uh, and that was great. We combined with another church, and then another church joined us, and we had uh, a very large church in Knoxville, Tennessee, really? and, and ended up working with. That was when? Uh, that was in, uh, that would have been in the, the 90s. Okay. So you were serving as a pastor then? Uh, I was just, uh, I was called the, what was I called? Well, you probably did everything. If you uh, yeah, it was yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah. It was like director of ministries, right. something along those lines. That's usually a good title to give someone who does everything because they're like, why are you giving me this again? Like, oh, it falls under ministry. Yeah, <laughs> that is right. <laughs> it's like we have that joke here. We have a membership pastor, and it's like, oh, gosh. Well, it's, all, it's membership. It's like, well, of course it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, Matt, there's a problem with the toilet. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a ministry. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, lesson learned right oh absolutely um anyway uh that um a lot of things have happened that i didn't say anything about but um there were years there uh my brother and i got to write music in nashville that was hmm. that was an incredible experience that's awesome um when you say you write music like you like compose music and sold to uh-huh okay um it was uh, Apple Roads. It was part of Acuff Roads. It doesn't even exist anymore. Um, an interesting story. My, um, my brother uh, met this um, young lady on a weekend like the one that was at our church, and we went to a church in Nashville. And her father was the, uh, owned the law firm for the Country Western Music Association. And uh, so we got invited over to Naomi, Naomi Yance's house, and she wrote a lot of Charlie Pride's mm. hit records. And so we were over there, and, and she said, just get out your guitars, let's play. And so we, it was that evening, and so Charlie Pride walks in. And uh, so he's sitting there, just we're all playing. And then, um, let's see who came um, Tammy Wynette was her neighbor, and she heard the playing and came over. And these are all old country folks, but I mean, it was just, what a what an incredible That's thing! A cool experience. And then she calls Mel Tillis and says, "You need to come over here." And he comes over and he brings his little girl, just a little girl, Pam Tillis. And uh, so we're all sitting around and we play that night, and that led to um, uh, an invitation to come over and write music and. Hmm. The only way we did that is that my aunt had left us a house, and we sold it. <laughs> wow. And we were two weeks from living out of the car when we decided maybe it was time to come home. <laughs> but we got five songs on albums by people that you never heard of. <laughs> we made $5,000 in two years. <laughs> That's awesome. That's five more than I can say that I've got credit for. So. <laughs> All right, so did you come back to Northeast Arkansas after Nashville? Uh, yes, came back here, came back to Jonesboro. Uh, 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 taught uh, a little bit and then uh, it was right after that that I ended up going to uh, uh, the University of Tennessee so okay. it was kind of a year in in between the other things I mentioned and you've been in that ever since in the counseling world mental health world uh, I have um, after I got out of that after I graduated from school I went to Rolla Missouri and I lived there for a couple of years, 
and I was a youth director at a Methodist church and also one of the directors for the Wesley Foundation. Hmm. It was where the Rawlis School of Mines became the School of Engineering was. And that was a, that was a really good uh, time. And then it was from there that I moved back to Knoxville and my brother and I started the church. Okay. I'm curious just because of, you know, there seems to be a mental health crisis right now. Oh, it's, uh, Oh, I don't know. What do you, what, what do you credit that to? Well, first of all, COVID did a number. Um, what did COVID do exactly to us mentally? Um, well, it isolated us. Mm -hmm. It, it caused us to cover the main way that we identify one another. And that is with the face. Yes. It, um, it told us we should be afraid. And fear is a powerful thing. And if we feed it, it is, it is almost debilitating. And then when you can't come out of your home, uh, at, at the church where I am right now, um, one lady uh, for, came out of her home for the first time in 14 months, uh, just a little bit ago. And she had been there. Her family came in to see her. Um, she did not get COVID, but she was isolated that whole time. But and out of fear? Yes, out of fear. Um, do you think social media has played into that? Oh, my goodness. Like, if you take social media out of it, do you think we're in a much different place? Oh, <clears throat> yes, we are. But social media has not – it's it's wonderful to keep up with people, but it has not been our friend. Mm -hmm. And if you – I just try to avoid it right now because people are have taken sides and they don't know when to to be quiet. Oh well, if you if you believe differently than me, you're either an idiot or you're evil. That is right. There's, there's no there's no human way, like gentle, kind, understanding way to disagree with somebody anymore and still like be like, okay, like I still love you. Like mm -hmm. it's just we've it's going crazy. And what a great possibility that is. And boy, we ignore it. And then I think we have media in all forms that just stir it up. It sells. Oh, that's exactly what it is. It's clickbait, right? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, people forget, like, and I, I'm, this is not, like, Jade, just reality. Like, news stations, are they're trying to make money. That's it. Like, they're yeah. not getting into what they're getting into to try to make the world a better place. Maybe there are some that are, but by mm -hmm. and large, like, whoever's at the top, like, they need to survive and put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So the more clicks they get, the more money they get, and you get clicks by driving fear, right? That's right. And uh, uh, I don't think that we've had, and I'm not saying this from any kind of a political uh, party standpoint, I just don't think we've had great leadership mm -hmm. in, in the last um, few presidents. Um, I think that there were other people that were much more able to provide uh, sane leadership. Um, that's probably not a very good word. But um, well, let me ask you this. What do you mean by, um, to you, what makes for a good leader? Um, I think somebody that, that knows how to communicate without being uh, having a base of offensiveness. Yes. I think it is uh, a, a leader can... I uh, hear both sides of something rather than uh, trying to propagate their uh, their stand, their uh, their party, um, their financials, uh, their uh, control, and um, I think we have those people out there that can do that. But but certainly we are in need of healing. Now, to me, okay, there's all of that. But I think that we need a spiritual healing. I think it goes there. I think I think if we are going to, uh, if we're going to find that way to communicate with one another that you just described, it's going to be because something happened in the heart. Absolutely. And um, and what you're hitting on there is huge yes. because I think um, a lot of us we tend to run towards behavior modification, and we're like, if you would just vote like me. Or if you would just do these things that I think you should do, mm -hmm. then our country is going to be in a good place. And it's like, nope, because it's from out of the heart. 
we know, right? Yes. That's what we believe. It's from out of the heart all this stuff comes. And until you change the heart, all you're doing is maybe for a season chopping a weed, mm-hmm. you know. But if that root's still there, that's going to continue to crop up, right? Continue oh, to it's up. just going to keep. And it will find a way to feed itself. So um, what, how do we, is there anything we can do to position ourselves for that? A spiritual awakening? Um, I'm wondering, I'm not, no, I'm past wondering. I, I'm at the place where I am watching right now, personally. Like for it's coming? For it's coming. Do you say that because historically when you look throughout at least the church and just the world, that revival or awakenings come on the heels of deep suffering and persecution? Yes, or desperation. Desperation. Uh, we need hope so badly. Yes. And, um, you know, um, I have friends that believe everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I do. You know, it's good to listen to them, to listen to their perspective. But uh, having, having done that, I really believe that the Christian faith um, has the only thing that can heal us on the inside, mm-hmm. and that is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Yeah. And I believe um, I, I've, I've worked with a lot of different kinds of people. Right now I'm highly involved in Breaking Bonds and In His Wings. Those are recovery mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. And I have seen the miracles of lives that were totally destroyed of saying, Jesus, is there any hope? And seeing him come into a life and totally and completely transform it and deliver that person from ever needing substance abuse again or ever participating in substance abuse again. But not just that, but to find themselves to say, I have value. I am not that thing that I was. I am a new creation. And out of that new creation, I can begin to live a new life and see them go to work, see them uh, succeed, see them go back to school. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I'm seeing that in front of my eyes and uh, every uh, every day, and I'm saying, yes, that if if that can happen, how much more could it happen for those of us that um, that need a miracle? I think we need a miracle. Well, you, it's, <laughs> you know, we've had all these podcasts and. It's, I don't know if you picked up on it, Bill, but two of our last three episodes out of nowhere were talking about miracles, and they weren't planned, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, we had Leslie Ballard on here talking about downtown nutrition. You've came on here, and mm-hmm. honestly, I didn't know what we would talk about. I mean, there's a whole lot of varieties, but um, yeah, there is a sense of and that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the, like the heart being changed, and, we, and also what I hear you saying is like we need our identity like we need to understand who we are because we don't even see ourselves oh. rightly like our eyes are blind and i think like that's huge because in our culture well, it seems like we have it backwards to where we're like we think what we do defines who we are and yes. really it's it's who we are typically defines what we do yes it's like that, that yeah what we do flows out of who we think we are for better for worse and so if we're not seeing ourselves rightly as god sees us mm-hmm. and that's what you're saying like that's where the power comes from absolutely right? i think so i i, I do um, you know, um, I, I, I believe the scripture when it says if a man is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think if we, well, if you just read what the first chapter of Ephesians says about who we it's are. Unbelievable. Yeah. First chapter. Yeah. First uh, 14 and, verses or whatever. It, yeah. And you yeah. read that and you go, oh my gosh, if that's who I am, then what am I doing? Just doing what I'm doing. If I believed that and I started and I started acting like I believed it and I started talking like I believed it, and I've just seen people that decided to do, that's just one example, but decided to do those kind of verses that define us. And if we believe that, then I think we'll see miraculous things happen. Yeah, it's a game changer. Uh-huh. So how do we... I, I'm interested from your perspective as a therapist and go back to the mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are lonelier than ever before. They're more anxious than ever before, yes. more depressed than ever before. Right. Um, Drug abuse. Yeah. I mean, do you ever battle like 
cynicism? Do you ever struggle with that at all? Because I, I've been in the health profession obviously for a while. I mm-hmm. worked at Arkansas Counseling, and I'm now a pastor. Um, I'm just realized it seems like that it takes a very long time for people to change. First off, and so, but even if sometimes this is going to sound dark, and it, and you can push in this if you want, but sometimes it seems like. More times than not, you work and you work and you work and you work to try to see change in someone's life and it doesn't happen. And so I'm just curious, how do we or how do those who are listening who want to make a difference, how do you keep from getting cynical? Or how do you keep from being like, you know what, and just throw your hands in the air, like forget it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to go back to me and my own little world. One. One. If Let's just say in a year. I can look back and I can say one person I saw was profoundly moved, healed. Restored. Just one in a year. Mm -hmm. Then the kingdom has come. Mm -hmm. And so I I I'm thankful that I get to see more than one. But I think just saying what are I had to answer the questions, what are my expectations? And and I the better question then became, well Lord, what are your expectations? How can I be part of that? And when I started say saying you you know, we're we're gonna do this and let's say that I have plan A and it it kind of gets to a place where my plan A that I thought I really was in the middle and I'd heard everything and it's got going down the tube. And it's just, it, I mean, that's the beauty of our faith to be able to go back and go, well, you know, Father, I, I guess I guess I kind of miss that. So, so what are we going to do now? And to know that there's always the expectation of something, uh, something that I'm not seeing, something that I'm not doing is still there. I mean, there's, there's a next thing to do. And um, I guess that I'm just kind of naturally an optimistic person. Has hmm. uh, that I, always been that way? Uh, yeah. Because I'm a naturally, I call myself a realist, but my wife tells me it's a pessimist. Yeah, oh gosh. So <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. I, 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 yeah, I want so bad to be more of an optimistic person. So uh, have you always been that way? Yeah, I pretty much have. Okay, we'll see then. All this that makes me feel better. It's like I just that's just not the way I'm wired. Yeah, no, and, and but isn't this cool? Isn't it cool though that you you being the way that you are bring to the table that something that just is like hand in glove to somebody like me. Mm. And well, and my wife. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Enneagram, but she's a top seven on the Enneagram, which is literally called the joyful person. Yes. So, which was also Bill's over here. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we are good. Hallelujah. Yin to the, uh, yin to the yang. Yeah. Um, I think another thing to answer, another thing that um, has helped me not be discouraged um, is to worship. Hmm. I am a praiser. Uh, you know, I have four. I have four words on the cover of my book, and yeah. you had asked me about those before we started yeah. talking. And I said, I think I have a fifth, and I'm. I would add worshiper. Um, I spend an hour in the morning in praise and worship. What does that look like practically? Tell me. Practic- walk me through your. You wake up in the morning and you do what? Uh, five, Talk- five o'clock. I'm up. And my dog sees to that. He has a built-in alarm. He even knows when time changes. What kind of dog you have? Uh, it's 75 things in one body. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it weighs 75 pounds, and it thinks it's a chihuahua, I think, a lap dog. But anyway, awesome. he will come in. He'll jump on the bed and get on top of me. So you get I, up. What do you do then? You, you five get o'clock, I hit, the, I hit the button on the coffee, and I... Uh, Either we'll hit hit a playlist or I'll go to contemporary worship on YouTube. And uh, I try to stay on top of all the new stuff. And um, so uh, if I'm on my knees, on my face, the dog and I dance in the kitchen. You Um, dance? Yes, absolutely. Like you actually physically dance? Physically dance before the Lord. Really? 
Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's incredible. I mean, I mean right? you're like King David. Yeah. yeah. Listen, David was an inspiration. I said, well, if he's going to dance, I mean, before the Lord. And he did it in his underwear. Yeah. Well, I, and, and pajama, <laughs> pajama bottoms. <laughs> anyway, um, but, but there's, there's something about including the physical in worship. Totally. And um, so I do that. That has uh, transformed my life in the last six years in many ways. Um, the other thing is I keep a journal of thankfulness. Totally, yep. That's something I've just recently sort of in the last about year and a half. Um, all the research is about thankfulness. It's just incredible what it does for us psychologically, um, but certainly what it does for us spiritually because the Scripture just talks so much about being thankful. And it actually will rewire the brain so that you start seeing the glass half full rather than half empty. Yes. And so that has been a huge part. And the third thing that has kept me positive in the middle of stuff that would maybe maybe just want to go, if y'all are going to do that, I'm going to buy a cabin way out there and go off grid. <laughs> is uh, that I purpose one good deed a day. Tell me about that. Um, so I just, uh, I have some things I say about myself during the day, um, but one of them is that I will, um, I will do one good deed. And I, I used to kind of have to look, and I, I've even gotten up at 10 to try to think of something to do because it hit me that I hadn't. Mm. But now they find me. I, I can't explain that other than they find me. How do you keep, I, I love that by the way. And, and I'm going to ask a question about how do you do that without making it legalistic or shaming yourself if you don't get it. But yeah. there's something powerful about that because Leslie Ballard, again, bring her up. She's a girl talking about miracles, mm -hmm. on, you know, runs downtown nutrition. She was in here and just, just bubbling up. She's just a jo very joyful person. Mm -hmm. She's a giver. And we were just talking about yes. Jesus's words of, uh, you know, it is, better to give than receive and that is like man i don't believe that half the time i'm like because the american way is the complete opposite like if you're going to be happy you need people to serve you and you need to get as much as you can while you can but there's something so powerful and and just joyful when it comes to giving to others um i had one um i haven't ordered some books in a bit because i've been off the road with covid and so um, I had one book left, and this guy from Breaking Bonds last night at the uh, service came up to me, and he said, he said, I just want to tell you how much you've meant to me since I've been here. And I said, well, I really appreciate that. And he said, I wrote my mom and told her about you. And I went, wow. I mean, that was out of the blue. I wasn't expecting that. And he said, he said, I, uh, we have a copy of your book out at the uh, ministry. And he said, is there any way that I could buy a copy? These guys don't have any money. You know, this, it's, can I buy I said, I'm going to, let's write something for your mom and let's just, you send it to her or I'll send it to her. He goes, I've got an envelope just waiting right now. So uh, last night, what a joy to just be able to give him something that he finds valuable and meaningful so much that he wants to share it with his mom, who has walked a life uh, out with him of, uh, of substance abuse, and now he's found a way to turn his life around. And mm -hmm. to be part of something like that, it always ends up, even if it looks little, it always ends up like it really is bigger than it's looking. Mm -hmm. um, is there... I couldn't agree more. I'm just... Thinking from a listener's perspective who might tend to be at times more cynical or whatever, yes. like, how do you do that and not make it just like a task? Like, okay, like, and, and is, or is that actually okay to be like, you know what, sometimes it's not about feeling like doing it and you're not going to want to do it, but just do it and let your heart then follow your action. Exactly. Uh, there have been some, you know, and not every day is happy, happy, joy, joy. I mean, I've got responsibilities and, and sometimes... You know, you bury a person in the morning, and then you bury another person in the afternoon, and it's like, you know, I don't think I, I think I want to be quiet for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But um, there's 
there is this thing that happens in our brain, you know, uh, without being overly expl- ex- giving too much of an explanation. I'll just say happy chemicals get dumped. Mm-hmm. When we observe ourselves doing an act of kindness, and if we do that consistently, then even when we think back on that act of kindness, and I journal the acts of kindness, I write them down. And it's not because I'm, I'm trying to keep score and, boy, you did a really good job, but it's to go back and read them and remind myself of who I've called to be mm. and, how, and how God has been able to use the things that he put in my hands mm. uh, to help an, another person. Mm. And um, there's, such a, there's such a powerful joy then attached to that that it, it, it is way, for me, mo- most of the time, it, it is way past the idea of this is something I've got to do. I'm, I, I couldn't do enough good deeds to to have the knowledge and peace in my heart that I am loved and accepted by God. Mm. And, and if I get to a day and I didn't do it, isn't it, isn't it the best life to, in him, be able to say, you know, God, I think I missed, I missed yesterday. I'm sorry. And would you, would you just forgive me? And to know it's there just waiting, how can we lose in this? <laughs> he's got us on both ends <laughs> well just when you were talking to me, I was sort of thinking you know God is the ultimate giver you know and oh, so when you yes. give whether you're a Christian or not you're becoming more human like yes. we're made in the image of God yes. he's the most generous being mm-hmm. selfless being to ever live and so the fact that we're made in his very image means that whenever you begin to act like him you become a better version of yourself like mm-hmm. you're literally just going to work in unison mm-hmm with the way your body was designed to work, which is going to feel better. And that, oh. that makes sense of why then these happy chemicals, what you call them, whatever, yeah, right. are dumped into the brain. I, have, I wonder, have you ever heard of the TV show Ted Lasso? Of, of what? Ted Lasso, the TV show? No, okay. I have not. We're big Ted Lasso fans here. And um, it it's, doesn't matter, I guess, what the plot is, but the coach, uh, Ted Lasso, the main character, is just... I mean, Bill, you might be the better job of describing it than I am, but there's something about even watching him. He's incredibly optimistic. He's selfless. He's I, always thinking of yeah. others. And there's just something in you when you watch that that I think no matter who you are, you're like, even if you're like, I'm not that, you're like, I want to be that. Mm-hmm. It just does something in you. You're like, I want to be more like that. You know? Well, you know, even if it's, if it's not a matter of, or even tied in in any way to faith, um, you know, just just from what we know about the psychology of people, uh, and there's been so much research on on kindness and acting in kindness. If you're a Buddhist, if you're a Muslim, it doesn't really make any difference. This the same positive effects can psychologically um, happen in you. Um, because you are doing this thing that is right thing to do, and like you said, I believe also it's 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 coded into us to be our best. And and when we start to drift from those kinds of things, well, what what is there to do besides choose up sides? I love it. I'm gonna start dancing in the morning. Maybe set a uh, my own little good deed for the day. Mm. Try that experiment, joy experiment. Yes. <laughs> I'm interested in your four words. I, you know, I, I read most of your book. I didn't get it until yesterday, day before, but last mm-hmm. night um, I began to read and a lot of good tales in here and lessons to learn. But you know, towards the end, you talk about someone who shared, you know, how we need to be able to explain our purpose in life in three words and begin to live into those three words, and that when we do. If we don't become distracted from that, if we stay focused on that, we'll live happier, more successful mm-hmm. lives, more fulfilling lives. And so you put that to the test, try to come up with three. You actually have four in the book. You said you would add another, but believe, teach, heal, and inspire. Anything you, you would want to say or add to that? Um, 
these are your words that describe. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Obviously, now you're adding worshiper, and you already spoke about that. But um, all my life, you know, the curiosity thing that we talked about, the adventure. If something happened, and it had meaning, I wanted to tell somebody else about it. Mm-hmm. If I read something and I went, "Oh my gosh, this is incredible!" I want to tell somebody about it. Um, and in in all the stuff that has happened in my life, um, I just collected a whole bunch of stories. And those stories then had meaning when I told them to other people and followed them up with lessons from those stories. And My favorite, by the way, was the cat under the bed. The cat, isn't that great? Yeah, my brother died several years ago, and before he died, he lived with me for a time, and uh, we would still say it's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, thought there was a monster under his bed, Bill. Come to find out it was a cat giving birth to a litter of kittens. A litter and so of kittens. It became an expression, and he was terrified, right? Like his... Bed, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> that's how it sounded yeah, like the bed. Yeah, a monster <laughs> in the bed. So it became in their family, like, whenever the problem seemed huge, like, like, unbearable it's like it's just a cat under the bed you know like just a reminder of like hey most things in life like there's some cats that are way bigger than others for sure yeah but it was, you're gonna make it through it yeah. it was just the shadow in the valley it wasn't really there you go yeah. exactly. um so yeah but believe teach you you've always had this desire you said you learned something you've been impacted by it now you want to share it i want to share it just immediately that's what begins to happen and then with the stories you know, a lot of times people will remember the story, whether they remember what you said about it or not, and they will make up their own stuff to go with it. And so they'll read the story about the cat un, uh, under the bed giving kittens, and, and, and it gave great credence to there really being a monster under the bed after all. <laughs> uh, but then to find out that it was something else, um, they will take that story and perhaps at a time in their life, where they have something, they will think, oh, yeah, that cat under the bed, maybe that was kind of like this for me. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can inspire a person to carry something like that with them, to carry a truth with them, uh, uh, then, oh, my goodness, what a, what a wonderful thing to have given, what a wonderful gift to have given to someone else and to know it was a gift given to you, not to hold, um, whether it was a life experience, an adventure, um, wisdom, knowledge, whatever it is, whatever is given to you, just to, to have the incredible experience of offering that to another person and, and, and mm-hmm. offer it to them in a way that's free. They don't have to take it the way that it happened to you. They don't have to process it the way that it happened to you. But they can take it and they can, they can put them on it. And maybe what happened if they shared that with one more person? I just don't know. I think there's limitless possibilities to to bring into people the gifts that we've been given. I love that you're 74 and you still have so much passion. Oh and gosh, desire, man, that just to pour into people to see lives changed. I'm getting started. I'm just getting started. I finally got some sense, maybe. And um, you know, I think of Joshua. When they said, oh, oh yeah, we'll go up and take it. And he was 80, I think, when he said that. And, and he did. And I'm just thinking, what, would it, what will it be like, like 10 years from now? What will I have, what will I have learned? What will I have done? How, would, how, how will I look back and go, gosh, God, look at that. Ooh, I forgot about that one. Yes. And, 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 and then see how long we can ride this out. Um, he has blessed me with health. And uh, I've got incredible DNA uh, from my parents, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was it was. I, I think I think I can say this. This is just something that I've been really praying about. And I'm not. It's not. It's like Jello that's not quite there mm-hmm. yet. But I I think that. In, in this part of the journey that I was created for such a time as this. Hmm. What do you mean by that? I mean, I understand the passage you're working, but in yeah. the light of your life, what do you mean? Um, so 
here, here are all these opportunities that I've had to do the things part of that I've written about in the book. I have another book that I hope will be out. I'll be finished writing by the end of the year. And it'll be, it'll have much more of a faith emphasis. Um, but, but to have had all of these things and to have had the experiences that I've had, because at a time like this where, where we need healing, we need hope, we need faith, I'll, I'll go beyond that. We need to find courage. Mm. And and to be able to help teach and inspire somebody so that they go, you know what, uh, I, my hands have been strengthened, my heart has been strengthened, my soul is being mended, and to have had a piece of that, oh my gosh, mm. it doesn't get better. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need courage. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I'm curious. I think I want to end here. Okay. I've got a lot of questions in my mind, but I, I'll come back. Oh, we definitely, <laughs> definitely want you. To, yeah, definitely. I want you to come back. I think I'll just leave this open to you to answer it. However, you just feel compelled to answer in the moment. What word of encouragement would you leave to the person listening to this? Just knowing what you know about the state of the world we're in right now state of what most people are dealing with mm-hmm. even if they look great on the outside oh especially um, if they look great on the outside yeah, possibly yeah. I, I really am just curious and, and and i'm asking this probably even for myself you know here i am uh 38 married three kids you know sometimes when you can be right in the middle of just life it can feel just overwhelming right for a lot of different yes. reasons mm-hmm. um Sometimes it's when you're right in the middle of it, it's hard to even live with the end in mind and all these things. I, I'm just curious as a guy who, uh, to me, you seem like you've played your cards right because I've, I've, I've had mentors tell me that if you live your life the way you should, that the 70s will actually be the most fruitful, best years of your life. Mm-hmm. It won't be like you won't feel like you're going down. Like right. you'll feel like you, you, what you just said is what they said you'll experience. And there's actually very few men, by the way, that I know that that I think can say what you just said. So knowing all that, is there anything you say to those of us, and most of us are not where you are yet in life, any encouragement, any advice, any parting words you'd leave us with? Um, I know that's not exactly a softball question. Oh, yeah, on, yeah. So. Um, you know, um, I, I think, uh, I think finding faith is is so very important in the middle of all of this um, we we need to believe and we need to belong mm-hmm. and I think that um, I think you know of course coming out of my background doing what I do right now as a pastor um I find people really longing to belong. Um, with COVID, they were away from the belonging, and now they're pressing in again. And when they press in again, I, I listen Sunday morning to people coming into church and the laughter and joy that was in their voice. Um, there's always the laughter and joy, but not like this. There's an intensity to it because I'm coming back to this thing that I belong to that embraces me, that lets me love it and loves me back. And I think that finding that place to belong, but I also think finding a place to believe is is so important. Uh, I think if you haven't updated your faith in a while, maybe it would be good to put yourself in a place Mm -hmm. where you could hear some solid teaching, where you could experience worship maybe in a way that you have not experienced it before um, and uh, find find in that context uh, uh, a new passion for something that God might want you to do hmm. and um, I guess uh, I, I guess to, to just well, okay, I know how to say this now. Um, 
when you called and asked me to do this, how in the world did that happen? Hmm. How, think of all the things that turned and, and all, the, all the places that we were and uh, the places that we weren't, that we could have been, and the people that we knew. And think about how all of that unfolded. And now we sit across a desk from one another right now and just having I, I, I'm so enjoying talking with you. You are in, I find you intriguing, okay? And uh, and and to to share this and to believe to believe that there's something else happening that we don't see that we can maybe have faith in, that we can trust to get us to the right place at the right time with the right people and and maybe to say Maybe to say, God, if, if you can do that, I, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I want that. And, uh, and then, then there's the anticipation. Having had an experience like this, there's the anticipation to go, you know what? I hope that this is not the last time mm-hmm. that, whether it's this or not, the last time that you and I talk. I hope this is not the last time that we got. I think there's something else out there there's purpose and meaning when things like this happen and Mm -hmm. so if there's purpose and meaning that i got something to lay my life down on Mm. i guess that's as good as it's going to get right now an answer oh it's so good it's so good i don't want to mess it up but i just want to encourage anybody who hasn't read it victor frankl's man search for Meaning. oh my gosh yes just your last words there about purpose Mm -hmm. you want a book to inspire you there's one a holocaust survivor term therapist right yes and basically mm-hmm. talked about what kept those alive versus those who gave up was they were able to find some purpose and meaning yes uh just one of my favorite books so good well leaving fingerprints tales and lessons learned from a so far remarkable life by matthew knight be sure and pick that up off of amazon um anywhere else they can grab that um not that I know of right now besides the truck of my car when I have them. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, too, uh, um, uh, so I, I have to pay a certain amount to have books, the book you know, printed and all of that. But then half of everything that I would have gotten personally from it goes back into some sort of mission or some sort of giving. Mm. That's incredible. You are an inspiration. So that's one of your words. You have uh, inspired me. You've taught me. I feel like you brought some healing, helped give me more belief and worship as well. Mm-hmm. So you're embodying that. Thanks so much for making space. Hope we get through it again sometime soon. I hope so. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks. And Matthew Knight has left the building. Uh, man, I want to be like him when I'm that age. I mean, there are not... A lot of guys out there that I know that are 74 years old and have that kind of passion and energy and is living with that level of intentionality. Um, Definitely uh, inspiring. Thank you so much, Matthew Knight. Hey, if you're still listening, um, as always, thanks for tuning in. Please check us out on iTunes. Uh, Give us a five-star rating there. That will help people find our podcast and learn more about the great people living here. Um, We always... I want to encourage you to check us out on different social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have a website, paragolpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to our email list if you're not already on that. So, again, thanks for listening. Until next time.